Hey, what's up, guys? We are so excited that you were joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can connect and engage with other Grace members around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. I am blessed. I am forgiven. I am chosen. I am a member of God's family. I am a Dave. I am alive in Christ. I am holy. I am adopted. I am included. I am born on purpose with a purpose. I am a minister. I am a warrior. If you don't know me, my name is Evan. I got the privilege of serving here as our kids pastor. Uh, that means that I oversee our students' uh, birth through fifth grade, actually sixth grade, uh, as well as ministry to parents, um, as well as getting to oversee our incredible dream team. I love our team of people who are helping kids every week discover what it means to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference even at a young age. I love it. I see many of you out here who are, are on my dream team, and, and we have a ton of fun uh, serving kids together. Now, I'm excited to close out our Ephesians series because uh, this past five weeks, we've been uh, studying, reading, and spending Sunday mornings in the book of Ephesians. And if you've got your Bible, uh, I'd like to turn to Ephesians chapter six. Now, if you're new to the, navigating through the Bible or if you're new to our church, uh, welcome again. We're so glad you're here. If you're new to the Bible, uh, let me just give you a quick tip here. One of your best things learning through navigate through the Bible is going to be simple, your table of contents. It's in the very front of your Bible. You're going to open it up and, uh, and look for the, the second half. The Bible split into two pieces, Old Testament and New Testament. You're going to look for the second half, the New Testament, to find the book of Ephesians. And when you find it there, you go open up to that page number, and you're going to look for uh, the large number six to tell you chapter six. Now, if you're here for the first time again, and you're like, where are we at in the Bible? What are we talking about? Let, well, let me explain real quick. The book of Ephesians um, talks all about who God is and who we are in Christ. And so that's why we called the series that we're doing, I Am. Because the book of Ephesians was written so that people would know who they are through, or in their relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And you see, when, when a person doesn't trust Jesus with their life, there are a certain set of I am statements that are true about them. And those, tr those statements are usually fairly negative and sometimes very destructive. But when you do choose to trust Jesus with your life, when you, when you choose to become who he says you are, there's a new set of I am statements that become true about you. They, it's a new reality that you begin to live in that weren't real before, but they are true now. Things like, that we've got up here on the screen. I am blessed. I'm forgiven. I'm chosen. I'm a member of God's family. I'm a minister. I am born on purpose for a purpose. And, and today, uh, those are our last five messages. So if you've missed those, go back and watch Pastor Wayne's messages. They're, they're amazing. They dig in so far to the scripture. But today, we're going to dig into our last I am statement. I am a warrior. Now, for many of us in our modern context, we wouldn't describe ourselves that way. 
Maybe if you're in the military, you would describe yourself as I am a warrior. Or if you're uh, maybe in law enforcement, you might describe yourself that way. But for most of us, including myself, we don't describe ourselves most of the time as I am a warrior. But I want us to see today that there's something about that statement that is true at a very deep spiritual level that can actually change us and make us different and help us to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. But when I was thinking about this warrior idea, I I considered sports. I, I grew up doing sports, but maybe not the normal sport. I grew up doing gymnastics. I was in gymnastics from the time I was four years old all the way up until I graduated from high school. Uh, yeah, you'll see some of the pictures of, of me up there. Um, and and when, they, when I started, right, I did what every new kid in a sport does. They just eased me in. Uh, I, you started with like half hour classes. It was really focused on fun. There, we were learning to do maybe forward rolls, learning to do a cartwheel, uh, jumping in the foam pit, having lots of fun. But as I continued, in doing this sport, uh, things got a little bit more intense. The training got more intense. I, I got to do more skills. Uh, I learned to keep better form as I did those skills. My coach would encourage me more, but he'd also challenge me and, and correct me more. Uh, the practices got longer. Uh, we were, uh, the skills got bigger. The, the victories got bigger, but so did the challenges. And I remember, so simple thing, I remember f- uh, feeling the fear of learning to do a back handspring for the first time by myself. And, and thinking, I'm gonna land on my head, there's no way I'm gonna catch myself. And landing on my head a couple times, don't, don't take that too far, but learning to do a back handspring. And then I remember the fear of learning to do my first backflip, standing backflip by myself and thinking, there is no way I'm gonna make it around to my feet, I'm gonna land on my head. I, I, I was really, really afraid, but I, I did it. I pressed in and I learned these, some of these skills and kept learning bigger and bigger. Uh, I remember long, tough conditioning workouts. I remember strength training at the end of every single practice. And the practice time increased from about half hour a week when I was a little kid to when I was in middle school and high school, training five days a week for four hours a day, 20 hours a week spent, invested in doing gymnastics. My family invested time and money and energy into getting me the right equipment, developing skills to get better over time. it was not easy. There were many times where I, I thought about quitting, but I learned perseverance. I grew into my strength, and the process helped to form and shape me into who I am today. In fact, it still has things that, um, that impact me today. Pastor Wayne wanted me to, it, as we were going through sermon prep, they were like, you should do a handstand on stage. So here you go. Here's a quick handstand. And it's probably the first time at Grace, well, first person at Grace who's done a handstand on stage while preaching. So, no, you're good. So, you know, obviously it's, it shaped me into who I am today. And, but you don't have to have done gymnastics to understand that. I mean, all of us at an intuitive level, we understand, we get this idea that if we'll enter into a process, we will be shaped and changed by it. Because you don't just magically discover one day that you have a skill, right? You have to spend time investing in it and learning it. We see this in the jobs that we do. Whether you're a student and your full-time job is learning at school, whether you're in middle school or high school or elementary school, uh, whether you're a student spending your time learning or, or you're a mechanic who works with your hands or, or you're a GC who has the, the skill and the, the experience to organize and make a, a construction project work or whether you're a financial advisor who uh, 
has the, the knowledge on how to handle finances and the wisdom to invest well, or whether you're a teacher who has the skill of connecting the dots for students and helping them to understand something that they didn't before, all of us have something in our lives where we get this, that all of these have skill sets and tools to help get the job done, and you didn't walk into the job with all the skills you needed. Those skills, they were gained over time, and, and whether you're learning to read so that you can become a better student, or learning to rebuild a head gasket in the garage, or connecting with a student and walking alongside them until that moment when the light bulb comes on, you can put your own vocation in there, and all of us get this idea. We get it. Whether it's through on-the-job training or our own learning, we had to, through Ephesians 6, we had to dig into the process. But here's the tension. If we don't engage with the rea that reality, we can never succeed. And here's what I mean. There's a difference between saying who you are and being who you are. If I said I am a gymnast, but I never went to practice, never got on the equipment, never did the strength training, never learned the skills, even if I went to the gym, I'm not a gymnast. And, and the testing ground of a competition, when I was, would get on the horizontal bar, get on the high bar or the parallel bars or, or get on the floor exercise, that would become really evident really fast, right? Because if I entered into the testing ground and I had not done anything to prepare for it, that reality is gonna show up very clearly. We all have to deal with this reality. Whether you're in school, or working on the line in a restaurant, or dealing with a, a defiant kid at home because motherhood and fatherhood are, are one of the jobs that God has called many of us to. If we don't, or in all of those things, the tests are going to come. And this is true of our spiritual lives as well. You see, we, sh we can and we should say all these I am statements because they're who God has enabled us already to be. But if we think that we can simply say them and not put in the effort to engage with the reality that requires of us and what it requires of us and be shaped by that reality, then we will fail the test. But that's why we're in the book of Ephesians. That's why, because God used the apostle Paul to encourage the Christians in Ephesus that they could, they could not only say these things, but they could also become them. And so that is our encouragement today. And we're going to dig into this book of Ephesians and look at what it says about this statement, this, la this last I am statement that we need to live in. I am a warrior. So if you've got your Bible, again, have it open to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm also going to have it here in the screen for us. And uh, we're going to dig into this, uh, a larger chunk here. I'm going to read through it, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. It talks about the armor of God. It talks, and Ephesians 6 is all about um, standing ready. And so let's dig in right now with the beginning of Ephesians 6, 10. Finally. Now, this is important because finally means what? It means finally. It means lots of stuff has come before this. So if you're confused, go back and watch Pastor Wayne's messages. Go back and read the book of Ephesians because this is Paul's closing statement. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, that's a big chunk of scripture. And for many of us, that is completely foreign. This isn't something in our normal context. So let me help us with three pieces of context that hopefully will, will put it, help us understand and dig into it a little bit more. The first is that this scripture was written to help us understand in, in what historians call the Pax Romana, which means the Roman peace. It was a peace that was built on and maintained by the soldiers of the Roman legions. And it was a, it was a peace built on the presence of Roman soldiers in all places. The ancient world was not a safe place. It was not a safe place to live, and war and death were ever-present realities and threats for many people. Number two is that under this Pax Romana, the conditions were right actually for the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus Christ, his story about his life, his death, and then the fact that he came back from the dead so that everyone in this world could hear about new life in God. This gospel was able to spread all over the empire through the Pax Romana, through the Roman roads, through, the, um, through the, the mail system, through everything. The time was right for the gospel to spread, and Paul, the man who wrote the gospel or the book of Ephesians, did just that. But when he wrote this book, which was literally just a letter, he wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, and then they took the letter and they gave it to another church, and they gave it to another church, and they just passed it around because they were like, wow, we all need to hear this. When Paul was writing this letter, he was standing in, he was in prison, and he was standing with a Roman guard every day, standing guard over him. And the third piece of context for us is that Ephesus, where the letter was written to, was a major metropolitan center. And one of the biggest things that made it so was the Artemisium. The Artemisium was a pagan temple dedicated to the goddess Artemis, or who the Romans called Diana. And Artemis and Diana, it was a fertility goddess. And, and there was this huge cult built up around the fertility goddess. And there was an economy that was built up around the temple. Things like statue making, um, priests and priestesses who would help the uh, worshipers to honor the goddess. And this economy built up around the Artemisium was booming. And it was, and I can just imagine, you could just feel the spiritual weight and darkness in a place like that. And into this darkness comes Paul. And Paul begins to preach. And he begins to share the good news about Jesus Christ. And into this darkness, the light starts to shine. And people responded. 
In fact, there were some people who were so changed by the message of Jesus and the life that he could give that they took their old ways of worshiping, which were um, black magic, uh, like scrolls and books and spells and incantations that were worth a ton of money. The Bible says 50,000 drachmas, which is several million dollars worth of books, scrolls, literature. They took that stuff and burned it, saying, we're done with this. We're going the Jesus way. It was amazing, this response. But it was also in this city where the darkness pushed back, where Paul, as he's preaching, got the people stopped buying the silversmith's little statues. And so this man named Alexander the silversmith whips the whole city into a frenzy. And the people of the city fill a 25,000 seat amphitheater and begin chanting, great is Artemis, goddess of the Ephesians, over and over and over again, over and over again for hours and hours to the point where Paul couldn't even come out and address the crowd because his friends were so afraid that he would be torn limb from limb by these people. And it's in this context it was very, very clear, right, that the kingdom of God was breaking in, but it's also very clear that the kingdom of darkness would not give up without a fight. And that's why God makes it very clear through the Apostle Paul that if we are going to live as Christians in this world, sorry, we're going to have to accept that we live in battleground earth. If we started there, if we started with that realization, it might be a little bit intimidating. But I love that Paul does not start there. Paul starts with be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I love, I love how the message says it. It's one of my, I like reading in the message. I, I like interspersing the message in what I read. And I love what it, how it says it here. It says God is strong. It starts with that. Paul says God's strong and he wants you strong. You see, if you trust Jesus, you don't start from a, a place of struggle. You don't start from the next verse where it's all about our struggles, again, not against flesh and blood. We'll, we'll get there in a minute, but you start from a path of victory because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, or with Jesus who won the ultimate victory on the cross. But remember that if we, as Christians, are, if we're going to live in this reality, we have to do the things and engage the process that will help us to live there successfully. So God tells us what to do. He says, put on the full armor so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. Here's the reason. We don't live in a battleground that we can see with our eyes. You see, we're very oriented with, on our eyes to, to look for threats, but we can't see this threat. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world. Paul understood this because he stood in an amphitheater with 25,000 people chanting against him. He could have said, it's those people who are the problem. He could have pointed to one specific person and said, it's Alexander the silversmith who made this a terrible time for me, but he didn't. You see, Paul understood what was going on, that the spiritual forces that are already living in the reality that God wants us to live in are the real thing that we need to be aware of. That's why God tells us to put on the full armor of God so that when the test comes, we'll already be used to wearing it. See, here's the thing. If you and I don't practice wearing the armor when there's no battle around, what makes us think that when the battle comes, 
we'll be ready to put this stuff on. And yet, many of us, me included, have lived that way. Many of us think that we can just jump in when the battle comes, we'll be ready. No, God calls us to put on the full armor and to live in this reality that he's given us. So as Ephesians 6.14 says, stand. And I think that's interesting. Paul didn't say, hey, go out and fight it. Go out and take this country. In the Old Testament, God told multiple people, go out and take the land. But Paul doesn't tell us as Christians to necessarily do that. He says, stand firm, because he knows something. He knows that when you live a life in Christ, the battles are going to come to you, that the enemy is going to attack us. And so what he says is stand. So let's walk through each piece of this armor. And, and I have this up here so that we can see it. And I'm going to point out a couple things that are real and true about the Roman armor that are going to reflect some things that are true in an even deeper sense about the spiritual armor that God has given us. So Ephesians 6:14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The belt is first. The Roman belt is actually interesting. Only Roman soldiers were allowed to wear this belt by law. There was actually a law about not wearing a Roman belt of a Roman soldier unless you were a Roman soldier. It was an identifying mark. And it was something that a Roman soldier, it's actually the only piece that they would wear all the time. And this piece, it didn't just protect the, the sensitive regions around the middle, but what it would do is it would bind their gear together. It'd hold the rest of their gear in place. They'd hang their, the gladius, the sword off of it. They'd hang the dagger that they wore off of it. And, and truth is like the belt for us. It, it wraps around us and it helps to hold together the things of our lives. The truth that God has spoken about this world, about who we are, about what he's done in it, those are the foundations of how we live victoriously. We have to speak truth. And then we have to repeat the truth because we forget it. And we have to search out the truth every single day because if our enemies can get us to not focus on the truth, if they can divide us from the truth, if they can keep us from focusing on it, he takes away the binding, cohesive element that holds us together with integrity as we fight and as we live. That's why the belt of truth is so important because it binds the entire armor together. The breastplate of righteousness is next. This is called the Lorica Segmentata. And the Lorica Segmentata, I'm actually going to put this one on. The Lorica Segmentata was brilliantly designed to give a Roman soldier just the right amount of flexibility and protection. Because it, it allowed his shoulders to be protected, it was protected in front and behind. And it gave him the flexibility and protection he needed to fight alongside his comrades, which was the only way that the Roman soldiers fought. Sorry. Um, the only way they did it. And what's interesting is because this is righteousness, righteousness, which is rightness in God's eyes, it does that for us. See, the Bible says that we're covered with the righteousness of Christ, so that we're to put on Christ. Righteousness starts as external to us, and it comes onto us, but it slowly becomes part of who we are in our hearts. Just like a warrior who, who gets used to moving in his armor so that it becomes like a second skin to him, we are to 
consistently remind our hearts of who we are in Christ, of God's righteousness in our lives, how it changes us, it strengthens us, and it helps us to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. When we choose to let God's righteousness transform our hearts, it'll show up in a way that people can see. The Lorca Segmentata is this piece. The next piece, though, is really interesting. It's the shoes of the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And I think this is really key for us. With your feet fitted with the, it's actually not the gospel of peace. It's with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. A Roman, a pair of Roman sandals was usually fairly well made. And what was interesting about a soldier's sandals is the bottom. They were actually covered with hobnails. So they would drive a nail into the sole of the shoe. And it was there so that they, you know, if they're walking across rough terrain or if they're walking across the Roman roads, that it, the sandal would hold on longer. It would, it would last longer. But it was also interesting because of the sound it made. You see, the Romans, again, marched, moved, fought, ate. Everything they did was together. And so the Roman soldiers, you would always be able to hear them coming. When you had a legion of soldiers marching, these hobnails are pounding on the stone, and it creates this very intimidating, very recognizable sound. But what's interesting for us is that God's peace is the foundation. It's the steadiness that we need. You see, the gospel of peace comes into our lives. It's the good news that that Jesus has, has made peace with God for us. But it's not a a kick back and relax kind of peace. Our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You see, it's the steadiness, it's the security, it's the settledness in God's peace that then allows us to either stand firm or move forward into battle when our commander calls us to move. God's readiness, this readiness is the, the armor that God gives us to walk in the shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. The shield of faith is the next piece. Now, the scutum was usually made from, uh, from wood covered in leather, and it had a boss called an umbo in the middle, a steel boss. And the shield is interesting because the Romans switched to this type of shield because of the way their troops fought together. See, once again, Roman troops never fought by themselves. If you see that in a movie, you know, the hero out front taking on everybody. No, that, that Romans didn't fight that way. They fought in a shield wall. The power of the, of the Roman warrior was that they fought together, locking and overlapping these big shields to protect them from near, from near attacks and from far attacks. And before, actually, before the battle, they would take their shield and some of them, they would dunk it in water to extinguish anything that came flaming at them. They, they were ready for whatever came their way. Here's an important thing about using faith as your shield. None of us are meant to practice faith alone. You see, faith is something that you pick up every day. Your, your trust in God, that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he'll do, it's something that has to be exercised and tried on the training ground of everyday life before it can stand in the battle. 
but it's not even meant to stand alone in the training ground. You see, it's meant to stand alone. It's designed by God to be locked together in a shield wall with other Christians. That's why we love small groups. That's why we talk about them all the time. That's why we love serving on teams. It's because you're never meant to fight by yourself. We are meant by God to be in it with other people, to train and to practice not shields together, faith together. So that when the battle comes, you're used to trusting other people. You're used to fighting with other people. You're used to being together in a shield wall. The next piece is the helmet of salvation. And uh, I think it's interesting because the Roman helmet was designed to help cover, so the shield would cover from knee to shoulder. The helmet had to take care of everything else, so it covers from the top of your head actually down to the bottom of the soldier's neck. And <laughs> if you've seen movies, right, you see usually the, the, in the middle of the battle, the hero takes off his helmet, and he's long, his hair is just blowing in the wind as he strikes a heroic pose as everyone's around him. A Roman soldier would know, like, you never do that. Don't ever lose your helmet, because it immediately... Give, makes you vulnerable to far attacks, especially an archer who's sending arrows your way or a spear thrower who's sending it your way. And it also, you're not always going to be able to get your shield up fast enough. You've got to have the helmet of self. You've got to have the helmet on as a soldier. But what's interesting is that some of us as Christians, this is the only piece we put on. We, we have salvation. We start with that, but then we don't Put on the rest of it. That's why Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Because he knows this is already here. But you've got to, on purpose, put on this full armor. It covers this. But what's interesting is that salvation is this for our minds. Salvation, uh, uh, Martin Luther said, you can't stop a bird from flying and, and landing on your head. But you really can stop it from building a nest in your hair. You see, where the devil attacks us and where our enemies attack us most often is in our thoughts. That's why scripture speaks so often and why the Bible gives us so many instructions about that. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, Romans 12, 2, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, Philippians 4, 6 to 8, just to name a few, they all focus on renewing your mind and guarding your thoughts. But the other part about this helmet is how it's designed to not block your senses. You see, there's a lot of, in the ancient world and, and in like uh, the medieval times, you know, they went for maximum protection. The face shield wraps all the way around. You got slits for your eyes, but that's all you can see. Your ears are covered. Everything is covered. But that's not the way the Romans fought. They fought together. And so the face guard is complete, you know, the face is open so that they can see attacks coming at them. But what's even more interesting is that the ears are open so that they could always hear their commander when he spoke to them, when he yelled out over the battle, when he gave the trumpet call. They were always listening for how to respond together. We need to be like that. Our eyes open and our ears open to when the Lord speaks to us through his word, through the Bible, through his Holy Spirit, through authorities in our lives. When we have our ears open, God can give us the direction that we need for victory in the battle. And the last piece, physical piece of the armor, is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Oh, sorry. Now, the Roman gladius is the only piece of the armor specifically designed for attack and defense. And 
The power of the gladius, again, is not that one soldier who knows what he's doing wields the gladius. It was designed to be used in the shield wall to thrust out and come back, to chop over top, but it was designed to be used with other Roman soldiers, wielding the same weapon, fighting together. And what's interesting about a sword is that uh, over here on the table, it does me absolutely no good. If there's an attack coming at me, if I don't have my sword with me, I can't defend against that attack. And what's interesting about a sword is that if you don't know, if you don't practice using it, when you pull it out, you're actually just as likely to hurt yourself as you are to hurt the, your enemy who's attacking you. The Bible is like that. You see, we have to practice in the everyday situations of life. Before we face the big battles, before the enemy comes at us, we have to practice on the training ground of life using everyday scripture, guiding, letting it guide our lives. We see Jesus using this. Like, he used this defend and attack strategy when he, fought, when he was defending himself against the devil. He didn't use his own thoughts. He used scripture that was already written down by God to speak back. If we will practice with our sword, with the word of God, applying it into the little everyday situations, that's when, when the biggest battles comes, we'll be ready to handle it well. The last piece of the armor, which isn't a physical piece of armor, but it's more of an attitude, is pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. This is the attitude of the soldier. Every day their mindset reflected the reality that they engaged with. They were ready to respond to the orders of their commander. That's why Paul says, keep alert. Stay alert, keep on praying, pray in the spirit. If our hearts are focused on listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, our commander, then we'll be ready to take our stand and when the test comes, we'll be ready to stand. Now, it's cool seeing this up here. I, I could totally nerd out over this stuff. I could tell you at least five other things about every one of these pieces of armor, but we didn't have time. But what's cool is, what's interesting is that this thing, these things that seem so real are a shadow compared to the reality of the armor that God gives you, if you'll take it and put it on. See, this isn't some ethereal thing. This is the true reality that we are called into to live in. It's cool seeing this up here, but how do we practically take it home? How do we practically live this out today? How do you take this idea of putting on the full armor of God and use it in your everyday life? That was the question that I started asking myself. And so I wanted to create a simple acronym because I just remember things better by acronyms. Um, and so I came up with something real simple. It's AC. And it's not air conditioning and it's not ACDC. Just get that out of your head. It's accept and commit. The first one, accept. You see, we have to accept the truth about who we are. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you're still in this battle. But you're in it without his loving protection. You're in it without his spirit living inside of you to give you the kind of life that will sustain you in this battle you're still in it. But that can change today if you'll choose to trust him and start living his kind of life. 
if you do have Jesus, if you've already said yes to him and are, are trying your best to live out his kind of life, you have to accept who you are. I am a warrior. When you have that mindset, it allows you to do the second thing, which is commit. But we don't need you to just commit to the battle because it's easy to do that. You're fighting for your life in that moment. But we need to commit to the process. We need to commit to the training ground as much as we commit to the testing ground. We need to train when the battle isn't raging around us. To commit to the things like changing your Bible reading habits so that you have practice with your sword. Then I say habits because I don't know about you, but my habit forms me way more than I wish it would. My habit of, of maybe it's like I've had times in my life where my habit was I sit down with my Bible and then I have my phone next to me and I, I start to read and my phone buzzes a little bit or I, I'm constantly checking it. My habit wasn't filling my, my life with his word. You see, our habits shape and form us in this process. What's your Bible reading habit look like? Committing to a small group, to lock shields with others and practice your faith, to increase your faith. You see, we have to practice on the, we have to practice on the training ground before we can hit the battleground. And small groups are where we learn to do that. Things like stepping out to serve on the dream team because Christ's peace has already made you ready. If you've accepted Christ, his peace is inside of you. Learn to put on the belt of truth. Learn to stand in his peace so that you're ready to move and make a difference in the lives of others. Joining a freedom group to learn to replace the lies that the enemy is constantly speaking over your life with the truth of who God has made you to be. He's already done it. The work's already there. But we have to do our part to step into the work and to step into the victory that God has given us to live in. Those are all practical steps to practice in the armor once you've put it on, but first you have to put it on. I do this for my family. I do this every night with my daughter, Eloise. She and I pray on the armor of God every night. And I make a, we've made a habit of it with our family of, of out loud praying on the armor when we're together. And I want to teach you how to do that. And so we're going to have actually a prayer come up here on the back and on the side screens, I think, that I want to teach you. And you don't have to use this prayer if you don't want to, but this is an easy way for us to practice today. And so I actually would, if you're able to, if you're physically able to and you'd be willing to, would you stand with me? Just as a way of saying, like, we're, we're going to stand. And I know some of us, uh, we're not physically able to. That is okay, I know that you're standing with us, ready. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to actually pray this out loud together. I'm going to turn around because I need this just as much as, as you guys do. Every one of us needs to stand in the armor, ready to move and live. And so we're going to pray this out loud together. You ready? Jesus, today I declare you as Lord. I choose to believe your truth and live from your victory. I put on and use your armor so that I can stand in your mighty power. I put on truth as a belt. Lord, surround me with your truth. 
Let it hold together my entire life and be a firm foundation. I put on righteousness around my chest. I don't live in my own righteousness, but in yours, Jesus. Thank you for making me right before my loving Father God. I put readiness on my feet from the gospel of peace. You've already finished the work, and I choose to live in your peace. I take up the shield of faith. No weapon against me will succeed. I believe you are who you say you are and will do what you've said you'll do. I put on salvation as the helmet. I have the mind of Christ. Please help me to handle my thoughts your way, Lord. I take up the sword of the Spirit, which is your word. Help me to love you well by studying and living out your word, walking in your ways. I choose to pray in the Spirit and be guided by you, Lord. Thank you for your protection. God, help me to live today as yours. Can you imagine what would happen if we started to do this, if, if we acede, if we accepted who we are in Christ and committed to this process to help us walk in victory, we'd see a difference. We, we'd see different looking lives. We, we'd see lives filled with a wonderful sense of the reality that truth brings. We'd see lives where we know who we are and it makes us able to act differently. We'd see lives settled in the peace of God who guards our hearts and minds. We see lives of faith filled with the fruit of the Spirit. We'd see lives where when the day of testing and evil comes, and it will come, we can stand our ground. And when we've done everything and the smoke of battle clears, we're standing in the place of victory. What Jesus already did for us on the cross. That's the kind of life that God calls you to. A life of victory and a life filled with his spirit. So we're going to do one last thing. If you've never had that kind of life, you say, wow, like that, that's not, that kind of life sounds amazing. A life where I have the protection, the life of God inside of me, but you've never made that decision to follow Christ. I want to pray with you. And what our custom here at, at Grace is that we, we pray together. So we bow your heads with me and close your eyes and if you're ready to make that decision, say, yeah, I want that kind of life inside of me. Then we pray something like this. Pray, Jesus, I know I've done wrong. I, I know my own life, and it's not what I want. I've hurt others, and I've hurt you, God. Please forgive me. Please take my sins away and make me new inside. Gee, I, I choose today to follow Jesus. Jesus, I accept your sacrifice for me. I accept your life inside of me. I choose to live your way and not just my way. Thank you for dying on the cross, for rising again, and for giving life to me. Thank you for making me part of your family. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, today I pray over this, this group of people who we've come together as the family of grace. Help us today to not just be inspired by this, but to walk away ready to practice, walk away ready to accept who we are in Christ and walk away ready to commit to the work it takes, to living the kind of life you've called us to. We love you, God. We give, pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Grace Assembly of God podcast so you're up to date on all sermons. Also, if you want more Grace content, make sure you subscribe to the Deeper Grace podcast, where Pastor Wayne will dive deeper into his most recent message. Have a great week, and God bless.